Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer. Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd, Marcos Flores and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Oh, it is indeed for another week and it is action-packed. We've got some breaking news, but uh, joining us Val Migliaccio, the biggest newsbreaker in the game. Hello, Val. Good morning, guys. Uh, yeah. Albie Kidd, former Scottish absolute superstar who what came there. What year did you come to Adelaide? Uh, 87. 1987. Yep. Played with West Adelaide? Yep, I did. The Greeks. So The uh, Greeks? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Looked yeah, after me, let me tell you. They did look after They're still people. looking after him. Yep. And Maria Jose Rocas Cote, good morning. Good morning, everyone. How's your week been at training? It's been great. Amazing. We're ready for Saturday. Who are you playing Saturday? Sydney. All right. We'll talk uh, a little bit about that later on. In fact, uh, their coach is going to join us, Val, isn't he? Yeah, Auntie Urich, uh, kind enough to join us. A towering centre-back back in his day. All right. And uh, I reckon he bowled over Albie. All right. Yeah, he's a big, uh, big unit. All right. Uh, a man who's become too busy to join us on the Real Football Show, Marcus Flores, is going to drop by for a chat as well. Looking forward to seeing what he's been up to in the last couple of weeks. He's trying to get a new club up off the ground, uh, which is a big, big job. And also, um, Greg Griffin with some breaking news. This is a big story in South Australian football. In fact, let's go to Greg right now. Greg, Adelaide City, what's the story? Adelaide City is uh, one of the most significant um, football clubs in the country. And uh, basically there's a transition underway from the Datavi family, which has basically funded and and run the club uh, for the last 40 years. Yep. And so there's a transition proposal so that they, have, um, they move out and the club um, then brings in new people to run the place. And so in that transitional period, which probably be around two or three years, the Datavi family have asked me to uh, step onto the board and to um, ensure that that transition period is conducted in a, in a way which benefits the club and the members and uh, gets the club ready for the challenges of 2024. What are the ambitions, though? Where does the club want to go in the next five to ten years? Because we're hearing all sorts of stories, obviously, about second division uh, in Australia and all of these types of things. Will they one day become an A-League club? What are the ambitions? Well, it's a good question, Dit. Uh, a club without ambition is a club without a future. Yep. And, and, and that's got to be your starting mantra. Um, this club has ambition, Adelaide City. Uh, I spent um, the other morning with Glenn Dodds, who's one of the few blokes in Adelaide who's played at a World Cup. He played mm-hmm. in New Zealand, unfortunately. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Glenn Dodds is the director of football. And he has put together over the last two years an extraordinary uh, development program and a football department that is as good as I have seen in the A-League. Mm, wow. Now, the foundations are, have been laid by the hard work of Glenn and his team. And he's got about 12 or 14 people who, who work extremely long hours um, to, to create the junior structure through to the senior structure. And, you know, we've got the teams in, uh, of course, the NPL in men and women. I think we're putting in two under seven girls teams now. That's what Glenn wow. told me at breakfast the other morning. There's over 600 juniors. There's uh, full-time um, junior development officers. It, it really is a club 
But were there to be a, a, a B division, they're, they're ready made for it. Greg, um, you've picked with the, you've picked Adley City there. You know they are an icon in South Australia and Australian football, Greg. And I'm so happy that you're involved because if there's anybody going to kick it on, it's yourself. Um, you know there is ambitions there, obviously, with the second division initially, and then obviously getting up to the A League. But I see that happening, uh, Greg, because Adley City is just a it's a sleeping giant. It is a sleeping giant, Albie. Um, look, the the whole B division has taken an enormous kick forward with um, the, the A-League clubs agreeing that the FFA, or the FA as it's now called, are the entity which is to um, determine the um, process and the protocols for promotion relegation. So, so basically Australia has gone from being one of the two countries in the world that the Court of Arbitration of Sport have said were exempt from promotion relegation to now having it you know, basically able to be applied. Uh, of course, that requires uh, collaboration between the A-League clubs and FA. But the, the future of the B-League, which was always speculative, is suddenly becoming a, a lot rosier. Greg, uh, focusing on Adelaide City, I, for one, just as a, a football supporter, I'm very excited you know, to see Adelaide City heading down this path. But I want to, and, and this question isn't criticism, it's more just to, uh, yeah, just to find out where you are heading with this. But, you know, I, I've visited Adelaide City each year playing against them with, you know, uh, involvement, you know, through our family. Yeah, boys, the, yeah. the supporters have dropped off. It, it went from being the biggest club in Adelaide to we go out to Oakton now and there's no one there. And I mean no one, which to me is really sad when I go there. And the second part of the question is that, you're the only club that has got a magnificent gaming venue. You've got the opportunity to actually, um, you know, raise funds that are much needed within this game. So where do you head with that, with your supporter base and with your home out there where you can actually, you know, raise much needed revenue? The point you make is entirely valid, uh, Chris. Now, I've spoken at length with Glenn Dodds about this. Um, it's an issue that the club's identified, and that is bringing back the old supporters, and of course, you've got 600 kids playing. I mean, yep. their parents yep. and their friends and their brothers and sisters, they should all be coming. And so well, I think what the club will be focusing on is really improving the match day experience, um, looking at developing certain areas, making it a place that people want to go, like yep. they used to go. And I mean, you, you're quite right, it's the challenge that the club faces. Because um, I, I think on football side, I mean, I think that appointing Paul Pezos and the squad he's put together is really, it's as good as you've seen in the NPL for a decade, in my view. Um, so, so I think that, and the women's team dominates, absolutely dominates. So, so but now you've, now you've got to put people, you've got to put punters on the rails. Mm. And, and that's without doubt um, a priority uh, for, for the board yep. and for the, to everyone running the club yep. is to bring it back to the two and three thousands, and look, success breeds success, Ditch. You know that. Yep. And and so we're successful. We have to then come out and tell the people and show the people that if they come along, they'll watch a good game, and and they'll be well looked after. Good facilities, um, and a bit of fun. Absolutely, Greg. I'm I'm happy that you're back involved in the game at you know direct level as well, and and you're absolutely right with the. Bob Dottavi, he's done so much work, not only for Adelaide City. I remember him back in the day with Blue Eagles, Azzurri, with Cameltown. 
And in the end, um, I don't think he was treated. I mean, the late Bodotali probably didn't get the accolades he actually deserved. He's not even in the Hall of Fame of, of Football SA, which I really find well, hard I, to I, believe. I, you know? I didn't know that, uh, Val, but that staggers me because um, it, it's just he's exactly who should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I remember speaking in... Um, about Bob on a number of occasions, and I said, the football, the football in this state needs people like Bob Tatavi, because people thought that we didn't get on. There was an enormous mutual respect, mm. because mm. he was just a hard nut, he, he, and he fought so hard for the club and the NPL. And, and I'm just staggered that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I, I think that needs to be addressed, to yeah. be honest. The other, the other thing, too, at Leeds City, it is the most successful club in South Australia. There's no doubt about it, on the national stage and, and locally. To get everybody back involved, and there's so many past players who I still speak to who feel a little bit disconnected. We could go back to, say, you know, Nilo Ruzelin from the 50s, 60s and 70s, um, Sergio Melder, you know, Edson yes, Allen, the, the first... Yep you know, African player actually to make an impact in Australia back in the 70s. You bring these people back, and I think uh, they'll be bringing a lot of people. Johnny Perrin, another guy. So how are you going to do this as well? Well, my father-in-law, who played at Juventus or Adelaide City, said Perrin was the best footballer he'd ever seen yeah. in Australia, Yeah, which, which is a high praise. I mean, uh, look, these people have to be brought back, and, and that's just a lot of work. And that work has to start now. I think the difference now, Greg, is that, you know, as I've said, that's uh, Sleeping Giant and it's, revving away, it's been revving away in neutral for a lot of years now. And what's exciting about it, we all know right across the board, the football people in Adelaide, that they've got the fundament, fundamental elements right. They've yeah. got gaming facilities. They've got a great um, state stadium out there, the good ground. You, you, you know, obviously there's potential to grow that ground as well. And now you're yeah. telling me you've got a good squad this year. So oh, you've got all the elements right there, but it would be extremely exciting to get into the, the second division and then the A-League. That's just, I guess, what are you, you're aiming? Well, I mean, basically, I mean, Glenn Dodd is, is running his better football, right? And, um, and there will be a point in time when Glendod will, will say, look, this is not just talk. How do we actually do it? And when I look forward to the day that conversation happens. But again, you've got to let football come to the board and tell them when they think they're in a position to, um, to fund and challenge uh, for a position in the B-League. I think it'll happen eventually, but it's a question of timing and it's a question of making the right decision and have that decision made by the right people. Greg, fantastic, mate. Exciting times ahead and uh, we'll yeah, watch on. Exciting. Yeah, for sure, definitely. We need to see Adelaide City up there in lights, no doubt about it. Thanks for well, joining us. My pleasure, gentlemen. Cheers. Good on you. Cheers, Thanks, Greg. Greg Griffin and uh, great to see him involved with Adelaide City. Wild horses with stop. We should get that one. Breathtaking. And a chance here to win it. Greg, thanks for your time. I know you're a very, uh, very busy man. Now, the transition towards uh, independence, how's that going at the moment? 
Oh, it was a very long uh, process, but and I suppose a lot of people wouldn't understand what was going in behind the scenes. But look, it's all going to be of ultimate benefit for the game now, and you know we see the finishing line. So lots of work happening, but um, finishing line very close. You know what I was going to say as well. The team at the Football Association at the moment, it, it must be a, a real nightmare getting these fixtures organised. And I really have to commend how um, FA has gone about the business. I mean, every morning you dread waking up to find that maybe COVID's changed different rules for different states. And you've been on top of it, which is great. Yeah, look, I don't think I'm the only person that wakes up every morning checking whether or not there's any community transmission numbers. But, you know, we've we've been lucky you know and as you know they're all saying the harder you work the luckier you get but you know we felt a number of times that the competition was going to go into you know run out of runway if you like but um we've always found a way to do it and um you know we've only got three or four more weeks left of the w league and we're fairly confident that that season can finish and um you know, we've 50 games down out of 140, roughly, for the A-League. And, you know, if things stay the same way as they currently are, we see no reason why we won't be able to get that away as well. Greg, television rights are obviously massive um, for the sustainability of the, the A-League there. How is that going? Is Fox, Fox uh, Sports still, a, still an option? Yeah, sure. We've um, been having some really... Good conversations with Fox, um, particularly about things we need to do for the balance of this season, but also and beyond. Um, but, you know, we're in a good part of the cycle. It's on my place really to talk about it whilst we're in that sort of ending one contract and negotiating the future. But it's fair to say there's a number of... Um, parties interested in the A-League going forward. Just on that, Greg, perspective. Uh, sorry, just on that, I, there are rumours going around about Stan, who are now starting to buy up sports. Are they in the mix as far as soccer or football is concerned in this country? I think it would be fair to say that there's a number of um, people, including Stan, that are interested in our game. All right, well, that's um, healthy. Yeah, no, it's, it is, it's yeah. really good. It's really good that, you know, to feel that, you know, the future of the game from a broadcast media perspective, um, you know, is probably more positive now than it's been for quite a few years. But, you know, Fox are very much part of part of our discussions for the future as well. How have you seen uh, the expansion, the new sides that have come in over the last couple of years? Um, are they going well? Are they strong both on and off the field? And what can we expect in the, in the you know, next, say, five to ten years as well? Well, they're going really well, the current ones, right? As you know, Western United came in the prior season. They're sitting mid-table with yep. a couple of games in hand and, you know, on the march. And look, MacArthur, the one that's only been there for <laughs> this season, is currently sitting second. So um, going really well and, to your point, both on and off the field. We look to expand at least for another two um, teams in the shorter term, I suppose, because we sort of want to have a full home and away without having to play a yeah. third matchup, and expansion helps us do that. Yep, absolutely. Just, uh, Greg, I mean, last year there was so much doom and gloom surrounding the competition, the W League and the A League, and we're one of the rare countries in the world that actually can have spectators at sporting events. Has that done anything to international viewers actually setting eyes upon the A League during COVID? Yeah, it does. We've had um, a big pickup um, in our international 
viewers and you know we've actually even taken to do that around our marketing so prior to every game we publish on social media a map of the world if you like and mm. what time that kickoff is going to happen in their time zone and we're really attracting a lot of interest around the world um people are excited by the a-league the youth the direct play yeah as well as the atmosphere as well there's not too many uh leagues around the world that are operating with fans like we are. Uh, Craig, about that, uh, because in Chile, uh, people are always asking me, how can they watch the games in South America? They always, you know, paying attention to what's happening here. I think the league is growing really well. We are very happy with W League at least. But how can they watch the games? So there's, there's two ways, right? So there's a number of um, international broadcasters that pick up and pay for the rights and they're managed by an international agency for us and you know that that's all over the globe on all continents so that's one way they can do that but if they don't have in their region the a-league as a sort of permanent scheduling mm -hmm. thing on their local sports tv they can then pick up on the stream okay. um, through youtube not geo uh, fence so yeah get onto it Okay, no problem. I will let them know. <laughs> the other thing yeah. is, um, look, I, we just received their fixtures from um, MPL, WNPL, and we know W League is almost done, like it's almost over. We have three games more, and then if we go to finals. For players, for us, how can we, um, I mean, do you guys work together um, with a WNPL, W League schedule for games? Yes. Yeah, in fact, more so with the WNPL than we do with the male NPL because of the movement between nearly all the players. Mm. Um, there's only, you know, a small percentage that are full-time professional footballers and the rest of them move between the W League and the state-based NPLs. And the windows about when they start, when we finish, they're all um, well thought through and to make sure the registration is possible and that the athletes can continue for you know up to 40 games a year i'm just looking at the fixtures that corte showed me they cross over with the w league season the wmpl in south australia which is probably not good for you uh, adelaide united all the clubs actually in the wmpl uh, yeah no they cross over a little bit this year because of covid the mm. um npl both in the male and the female sort of got away a little bit late in um the um different states but we're now looking to harmonize the calendars um so going forward that people you know athletes can make their way from one league to the other without too much crossover Greg, there's a few discussions going around about the second division as well what's your thoughts uh, on that look i think that um the theory of the second division makes perfect sense the question is when are we going to be mature enough to do two things one is to allow promotion relegation in respect of clubs being able to afford to move up and down. And the yep. second thing as well is the depth, right? So I know it's what happens globally around the world, but if you look at the other sports in Australia, you will see that, you know, the second division promotion relegation is not common in this country, but we, we want to be seen as true football and we will move to that, that space. And, you know, when people talk globally about true football, it's, you know, having, you know, the ability to have the club relegated or promoted that brings a lot of excitement and a lot of pressure. And, you know, it, it works well for our code around the world. Just it'll take a bit more time is my view. Good on you, Greg. There are a lot of exciting things happening moving forward with the A-League. Thanks so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. There he is. Greg O'Rourke, busy man in charge of the A-League here in Australia. Sydney, sweet Sydney, I love your red roots And I'm spending all my money in your television
to add to that tally of 12 with Palais's corner in towards the near post again and again a flat from the goalkeeper is it an own goal or has it come off the back of the head of Courtney Vine they go 2-0 up to Sydney FC here as the ball was floated in from Palais these changes are made there you go, highlights of Sydney FC. Cote, you've got a big, big game coming up. Yes, yes, big game for us, big game for Sydney as well, but uh, we confidence um, to do to do well and, and and keep winning. All right, joining us on the line, the coach, Ante Juric. Hi, how are you guys? Ante, uh, actually a big weekend for you coming up with Sydney. Obviously, you've won the championship with Sydney already, but... You could go a long way to actually securing the premiership for the first time uh, under your reign, and that will earn you a spot in the Champions League. So, are you looking that far ahead in the game against Adelaide? Uh, not necessarily. We've obviously made the finals, which is great. Um, but yeah, I'm a type of coach that just makes sure that we take every. It is a cliche, but every game uh, as it comes and. You've got to win the three points and then you've got another chance the week after and then you win those three points and then, yeah, that's the way I sort of look at it. So we're just looking at Adelaide for right now and uh, it's important to uh, play well and be uh, uh, ready for them. Just veering away from your duties with Sydney, or maybe not, you're also a coach of Sydney Olympic in the New South Wales NPL and then there was a strong rumour last year you were in line for the Adelaide United job. The, the men's job. So, uh, firstly, was that correct? And how do you fit all your football into the schedule with when, uh, men and women? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough at the moment. So it's not ideal, I think, for uh, in particular probably Sydney Olympics. So Sydney FC, I don't miss anything because I committed to them before I was offered anything uh, anywhere else. So uh, when I was offered with Olympic, I just made sure that. Both parties were understanding that Sydney FC is a priority until the season finished, and then we'll decide what, what to hap- what's going to happen after that for the years preceding um, or seasons preceding. But yeah, so at the moment it's tough in terms of that. However, you know it's manageable and uh, everything's working well um, at the moment. Um, in terms of Adelaide, there's been rumours with a few different little clubs here and there, um, so nothing concrete at the moment. But it's definitely uh, something I want to try and get into in the future. You know. And not necessarily women's or men's, but just full-time coaching and A-League at the moment is where it's at in terms of that within Australia. Yeah, just with in terms of the, the W League this year as well, I think 14 of the 20 contracted Matildas, and you know them quite well because you came up with them uh, through stage, yeah. and, you know, and, and that was really a golden year, I thought, of the Matildas. We took them the fourth and the FIFA rankings and quarterfinals of the World Cup in 2015. You know, Lydia Williams is not here, Sam Kerr, Ellie Carpenter, and, you know, a whole raft of really, really good players no longer in the league. Dylan Holmes now leaving Adelaide United to go overseas to play in Sweden. What does it actually do to the league? I mean, it leaves doors open, I think, for players, but what do you think of the actual competition itself? I think it was uh, necessary in a few ways. Like, you want you want your maturity here, but you know what? Um, even when I was... Um, at the FFA, they really tried, this was a couple of years ago, really tried to keep the Australians in Australia, um, mm. which I realise why, you know, there's, there's the, the media side of things and, you know, you want publicity. However, these players need to be playing in the best league possible and sadly at the moment that's overseas, so you have to go, it's like the men's football, you know, 
Barcelona come calling, you're not going to stay at Sydney FC. Yeah. Um, so that's happening now in the women's game. For the short term, the quality does drop a little bit. I'm not going to say it doesn't, because if you take Sam Kerr out of it and you've got a young player coming through, the quality is going to be different. Um, but that's just for a short-term bit. And then after a while, these younger girls become the stars. And then the cycle begins again. So for me, it's sort of overdue that this has happened. Um, Ante? Yeah. It's, um, so saying that um, we're trying to keep players here, um, do you think it would be better if we have a longer league and we attract international instead? They going overseas? Good. Yes, yes and no. Well, again, it comes down to... Everyone's going to keep going overseas unless the league becomes two rounds, becomes a mm-hmm. not a second or, third, or not a fourth or fifth tier to these clubs. So they're always going to go until you get to that stage. Um, you know, ideally in Australia, it's eight months, like like the A League. Then exactly. you might get players not going anyway because they're getting decent money, a full time mm-hmm. professionals. Until that happens, you know, as a player, you can't expect a player to stay. Yeah. That's right. You know what I mean? Like what, what, mm-hmm. what for? It's actually not fair. Exactly. Um, so that that's where the issue is. Um, you know, we were lucky with America for a while there, where the American leagues have uh, uh, yep. finishes and then they come over, and that's, a lot of our Australians were there. But now everyone's going to Europe. It's just changed that kind of a yeah, landscape. Yeah, a whole year so. contract in Europe. Was, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to say no. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And like you said, ideally, yes, in Australia something happens but it has to be an eight month thing and then you can seriously say okay I'm going to stay here not go there you know Auntie, um, I, guess so, yeah. it, I guess it um, it's a natural progression going overseas there you know the Arsenal's and the, the Chelsea's been involved there but but looking at the Matildas you know that would have a in my opinion a, a positive impact on the national team because obviously they, these guys uh, are at the high level of coaches and, and, one, and will be improving out of sight one would assume yeah, you'd think so, um, 100% in terms of that, yeah. Uh, obviously playing with world-class players. Um, I think in the short term, it's going to be a, a small negative. And by that, if you, if you realise what happened before with the Matildas, the Matildas were all in Australia before, but what Stadge was allowed to do in that three or four-year period, and I think even Tommy, yeah. the, the positive in that, you're together for eight months. So yeah. you'd have amps, you'd have this, so... That's why Australia became close and tight-knit and won, won a lot of games and tournaments at that stage because they had that eight months. As individuals, did they grow? Probably a little bit, but as a team, they definitely grew. Yeah. But now, and now it's becoming, all right, so now they're overseas. They're not going to be together as a team as much. Um, however, as individuals, they're going to grow and become super players. So it's a little bit of, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, there's positives and negatives, but yeah, I think, still better to be overseas in terms of uh, as a player. Yep, for sure. Ante, thanks so much for joining us on the Real Football Podcast, mate. Good luck this weekend and look out for a very dangerous player in Cote, all right? Very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got plans in place. For <laughs> oh, <Good> on, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Our special guest, Ante Juric, the coach of Sydney FC. And it comes from Gallagher. Oh, towards the back yes! post. He's nodded in. What and a it's goal. Kyle Bartley, the man who gets his forehead on that, oh, knocks oh. it down into the ground and into the back of the net, past Sanchez, who is left in no man's land. Albion wanted a quick start today against Brighton. And guess what? They've got one. Kyle Bartley on target. I'll tell you what, Jez, he's been...
Oh, the biggest game in the EPL over the last few weeks. West Brom beat Brighton 1-0. It's unbelievable. Now, Val, tell me, what's the... uh, Yeah, go on. And they were lucky. That song, the liquidator. Yeah. And your day is back in England. And obviously, you know, he got... He Mm. fell in love with the the, the Hawthorns. Mm. Did you remember that song? No, I didn't. Because they banned it. Yeah, what was the story with it? Because apparently the fans were inserting not nice words. Oh, really? With the music. They wouldn't do that. So, <laughs> absolute sure gentlemen, the fans. A little, it's a good old reggae Brom. song from '69. Yeah, big day. reggae um, town, Birmingham. That's uh, where UB40 come from. Do you remember UB40? Yes. Yeah. So there is a bit of reggae feel about uh, West no, Brom. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, the other, the huge game coming up this weekend, Albert, Manchester derby. The huge, yeah, definitely, and <laughs> unfortunately. Um, what I'm reading into the EPL, what I'm reading into the EPL, uh, that's is that, um, you know, Manchester City's obviously run away. They're 13 points clear of everybody else. But, yep. but you know, what's disappointing for me? The less the Leicesters of this world and the the West Ham's now they they got beat uh, respectively three one from Arsenal, Leicester, and two one um, from West uh, Man City over West Ham. And what that's done, it's um, it's let Man City get away. Um, Man United playing last night, drawing against Crystal Palace. These results have got to stop for these big clubs because obviously it's going to be, a, you know, they're going to coast to win in this uh, this league, Man City, and I'm disappointed about that. But but really, you look at the you look at the games coming up here, Man City versus Man U. You know that'll be a good game in normal circumstances, but. You know, let's hope that Man United could bring, you know, Man City back to the pack a little bit because it would be more exciting for, for, for everybody in the world game. Yep, no doubt about that. All right, let's move on. What are the hot topics this week, Val? Ooh, there's plenty. Um, the first one, Dylan Holmes from Adelaide United transferred to Haken of Sweden for yep. a transfer fee. Mm-hmm. Now... We could all say that's really good because Adelaide United has got a transfer fee, but I remember, um, or actually I did a little bit of research about transfer fees in women's football. Yeah. Cote, welcome back. And $1.9 million all up for all the players transferred last year. So the average, I'll just give you the average, is about $11,000 for the transfer of a women's player to another club. And Adelaide United will probably have to share the transfer fee with Adelaide City because if they were registered on Adelaide City in the, in the passport, yep. there'd be a share. So uh, it's good that they've got money and the first time, but, I mean, the fees uh, in women's football are not up there amongst the men. And we spoke to James Kitchen, remember, a few weeks ago. And, yep. and you know, $5 billion last year, but mm. $1.000 all up mm. for uh, women's football. Yeah. All right. That's one. Now, you, you, we we touched on Stan earlier in the show, and uh, Ditch, you brought that Ask up. Ask Greg O'Rourke about uh, the fact that, uh, yeah, are Stan in the running to pick up the TV rights for football in this country? A hundred percent. I reckon they're in the box seat. And it's been reported, uh, Sydney Morning Herald reported this a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's going to be the new home of the A-League. I'm not sure about the W-League. Hopefully, yes, the W-League. However, yeah. the money. Mm-hmm. Don't know if it's going to be there. So what? They're going to pick it up for nothing? Perhaps not. But I mean, Fox this year they dropped. They went from sixty-six million for this season down to thirty mm. for the clubs. Mm. It could come down a little bit more. So clubs, this is where we're going to struggle. Clubs relying on TV money 
and I hate to say it, we've got one here in this state. I think they rely you know, big time on TV money. What are they going to do? I think all the clubs rely heavily on television. No, money. not all of them. You see Melbourne Victory, I don't think, Sydney FC, uh, Western United, Western Sydney Wanderers, but then you get the other clubs around it. Well, it's, yeah. it's not a good look. If you're relying on TV, TV money to survive, I don't know. Yeah, if they're desperate for money um, to get the television right money, well, to, to, to survive, that's not a good situation there. But, um, you know, I would think that the, the Melbourne victories and the, the Sydney um, club as well, you know, they'd be desperate to get the television money as well. Oh, 100%. Well, you know? But they don't rely on it yeah. to, for, the, for, the, you know, for, the, for the percentage of their income. I think it's it's way down low, like they do in Europe. The European clubs, if they relied on TV money, they'd all be bust. No, they do rely on it. Come on, Val. If you if you, if you get promoted, hang on. If you get promoted in the EPL, you, you get over a hundred million pounds just for getting promoted. That comes from television. Yeah, but you see the books of say the bigger clubs, the 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 public listed clubs, and you see that the TV money might be a percentage of twelve to fifteen percent. Yeah, but it's still volatile. They fifty still, to sixty to percent. No, nah, yeah. they still rely on it. Oh, I, dis- I, I disagree with you. So, okay. so you, you tell disagree. me, Val, you tell me that, um, you know, looking at Stan coming in, possibly, the, the, as Dits mentioned to Greg Griffin, he's, it's, they're in the mix. Mm. So you tell me it's going to drop from Greg 60 Will. million to under 20 million? Well, it's 30 million now, uh, I understand, with Fox. It's going to be the sticking point, I think, TV money. Kote, can I ask you, surely it's vital that the, the women must go hand-in-hand hand with the men's game when it comes to the TV rights. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it would spell disaster for the women's game in this country. Yeah, hopefully, you know, things change. But um, that would be something that um, it will really help women's football, like, to, to keep growing. Val, if the women get left out of the deal, it's surely FFA. They can't uh, leave them out of the deal. They can't leave them out of the deal. No, sure, it's going to come so. as a yeah. package. The World Cup is coming. Yeah. Don't forget that. Yep. So yeah, it's exactly. And that's, I think the World Cup in Australia and, and New Zealand push. Gonna, is actually going to save the game, help save yes. the game. I mean, yes. we've had a great mm-hmm. season both in the W League and A League for entertainment. The defending has been atrocious, but it's been entertaining. Yeah. But, you know, this World Cup bid and hopefully, uh, you know, it, it, it's a good TV. There's build. a fair bit of responsibility, Val, on whoever's going to be pushing at this World Cup here in Australia because it's a, it's absolutely imperative that they get it right. Of the skimp on things and whatever, it's not going to work. They could put ladies football in Australia on the map with the World Cup coming here. And everything else. Infrastructure, exactly. the whole lot. All right, Val, let's move on to your next topic. Uh, remember last week we talked about Daniel Adlong perhaps for Adelaide United? Yes. Because he wasn't responding to my <clears throat> WhatsApp messages. You know, we've been in touch. Mm-hmm. It wasn't him. Hey, wrong player. He's still not responding, so Righto. maybe I've, I've upset him. Okay. So it's Hwande yep. who played for Perth Glory um, and played in India recently on a short, short-term contract, played for Real Batista of Spain. He's 34 years old and Spazio of Italy. He's coming out of the Indian Super League. Their season's finished, but the club's actually struggling to get him in from India to Adelaide because of the lack of flights. That's mm. the sticking point. Yep. Spazio of Italy, is that what you said? Spazia. Spazia. Give us a clue where they, what division are they in. <laughs> Come on. Man. You don't follow the Serie A at all, do you? Yeah, I do. They're there, so, man. They're in the top league. Oh, God. 
I just look at Juventus and they're well. That was probably they're actually doing okay for the Napoli. Season. Yeah, Juventus, Napoli, AC Milan, Inter That's Milan. It. That'll yeah, do yeah. you. That'll do you. Don't worry about <laughs> Benavento or all those other teams. The other thing too, Dits. There's a, there's a, a complete mess happening with Chinese football with Suning. The the it's a large retailer just pulling the pin on the club. Jiangsu, Suning, just yep. like that yep. overnight. They pulled him out of the Chinese Super League. No, now, they're, a, Milan, is it? they're a big investor in Inter Milan, and, and they've sort of uh, said that they'll look after Inter Milan, but they're looking for investors. Hmm. My worry is because there's another club that's actually gone bust, Tianin Tin, Tinhai, which is already bankrupt, and that was coached by uh, Fabio Cannavaro, the World Cup winner from 2006, the Italian. Shandon Lunang's being kicked out of the Champions League as well because they don't meet financial requirements from the AFC. My main concern is this money's drying up in China. We've got investors here from Chinese football. Newcastle Jets, that was Lee. He's actually out now. The clubs in the hands of Western Sydney, the bigger clubs of the A-League are looking after Newcastle Jets. My main concern is this one in, in this state. We don't know who the owners are. you know, And I think that's where the A-League independent A-League needs to start coming clean as to who owns these clubs. We need to know because this is a dangerous precedent set by uh, Chinese football. We can't have private ownership. I think it needs to be balanced. And, and yeah. What do you think about private ownership? To the two experts here, Alvi, Cote? Look, in general terms, in general terms, you know, it should work. It really should work. But, um, for some ungodly known reason, it doesn't work in this country. I don't think there's enough money to go around yep. to. You know, it's, if you've got an independent, you know, consortium of uh, four people, say, that put in X amount of millions of dollars, it's, you know, the model has been wrong. The clubs that have come in, like, um, you know, the clubs that went bust, who was the club? Townsville. You know, for them to New come Zealand in the league, we, we spoke about it. Yeah, mm. exactly. So that was a that was a businessman there that basically had, you know, a few million dollars to to burn, and uh, you know, it's not enough. Gold and, Coast and the United. sustainable. It's all about the sustainability. And I'm with this. The television rights, you know, is a massive plus for the clubs. But they can't be relying on it. Cote private ownership. Um. I think we need, uh, well, money. It's important. And I guess private will help. Um, what I'm saying here, the whole point is the whole world can do this. Why Australia cannot? Mm. I mean, we got to be on top. It's, 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 you know, a developed con- it's a developed country. And I think it has to, they have to make it happen. We'll move on. Richard Wilson, we spoke to him last week yes. from Melbourne Victory. Yes, selling off to the members. It's happening. Right. Is so it- I think it's all getting uh, legalised finally. This week and and tomorrow might be the first day that the shares will be available to the public, which is starting maybe a new wave or where we should be going with clubs. All right, club ownership. You've been listening to the Real Football Podcast. We'll do it all again next week. Cote, good luck this weekend. Thank you so how much. Many, Everyone is goals? invited. How many Everyone. goals? If depends how many people come. Now, the idea, as you know, for me, it's most important to win, to mm-hmm. game and get those three points and keep advancing. So the most important thing is my team. All right. Uh, but just having said that, two goals, Cote. All right? Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you. 
Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one Toyota dealer.